Good morning, comrades. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Get more information about our show at goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, joining us on the show, we have uh, two guests. Uh, we have first uh, returning champion, Jack Reno Sweeney. What is happening, How's it Jack? Going, Jeff, doing well. Cool. I'm doing all right, man, and uh, it's great to see you again. Also, we have a uh, first-time guest, a uh, long-time buddy, though. It's been a fr- we've been trying to get you on here for a while. Uh, also, my fellow my fellow Chalmette boy, we have MJ. What's up, MJ? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jack. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to talk to you all about uh, just sort of the general – So. We've been on this show covering uh, what's been going on in Gaza and the sort of aggression that's been taking place by the settled colonial state of uh, Israel uh, for the past several months. I mean, for years, but like we've obviously ramped that conversation up for the past several months. And, uh, you know, I wanted to have a conversation with Jack and MJ about this. MJ, uh, you yourself are involved in the grassroots of of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So I organize uh, locally and nationally, uh, nationally with the Palestine Solidarity Working Group, formerly of the DSA, um, and uh, but now independent. Uh, and also I organize at the local level with a number of groups, comrades, and uh, and various coalitions. Great. And uh, yeah, we wanted to sort of like, you know, just kind of Pick you pick your brain on the sort of the national and the the local sort of state of uh, response to the um, the I mean genocidal campaign military campaign that's happening both in Gaza but also I mean the the settlers in the West Bank haven't stopped either um, so um, I guess as of right now considering where we've come from I mean obviously this is something that goes the the violence did not begin on October seventh obviously but like since then, there was a huge escalation. I guess, can we sort of contextualize what's been going on uh, specifically, you know, recently? Yeah, so right now what we're in the midst of is, uh, to me, uh, the the largest sustained global anti-war uh, movement that we've seen in, in probably decades, um, going back to like the 60s and 70s, specifically talking about like the international response, right? Um, so I think that's, that's key context to understand that. Um, and it's, it's a silver lining in what's a really dark, dark time because that's come as a response to really like as bad as things have been for the last century for Palestinians, like this level of increased like state violence is, is, uh, it it is an escalation. Like it has marked a, a clear escalation in things. Um, but Palestinians remain steadfast. Um, our, our base of allies has never been larger than it is now. Um, and so in that way, that's, that's promising. You're right that the violence, of course, hasn't started on October 7th. I'm sure you've covered this, this topic a number of times on your show. Um, but I'll kind of give a little bit of the, the spiel of, uh, it has been at this point over a century now of colonization. The first Zionist settler colony uh, was in 1882. Um, and so Palestinians have been dealing with this uh, to, to some extent for well over 100 years, and definitely to a large extent since the Balfour Declaration of 1917. Um, yeah. Sure. And, um, and just to sort of talk about this, uh, you mentioned the uh, largest anti-war movement in decades i i mean uh just as of uh you know as of recording this past weekend there was a massive um mobilization uh not just in washington dc but primarily there that had an like it was uh it was probably you know tens of thousands perhaps even more people in the streets I, we were talking prior to the show you can tell when we cross like certain lines when it comes to the uh whether or not this is a massive protest whether or not you get phone reception <laughs> and it seems to have been another one of those where where phone reception was uh cut out can you want to talk a little bit about uh what went on there are you talking about in november or uh, well, we can weekend. talk about November, and we can talk about um, this past yeah, weekend. Yeah, well. I mean, both of them, both of them go down as the largest uh, pro-Palestine uh, rallies, protests uh, in American history. 
Um, this has been also going on. I think London had a similarly uh, sized mm -hmm. event uh, over this same past weekend. Uh, Ottawa mm -hmm. as well uh, succeeded in mobilizing, I think, 100,000, uh, maybe more than that. Uh, I don't want to like downplay the numbers or anything. The mainstream <laughs> media is doing that enough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they don't need your help. No, they don't. So, so that's so. I I think uh, in general, yeah, those have been incredibly powerful. Um, when we mobilize, we uh, we it's it's uh, when we mobilize, we raise the contradictions, right? Because at this point, there's this many people out on the streets. Why is Joe Biden still uh, carrying Israel's water the way he does? It doesn't make sense, right? People start to see more and more. Not only so. So first of all, you raise the awareness, right? Uh, and then you get people to kind of realize like, okay, what's going on? People start to see clearly that there, there's, uh, there's colonial violence happening here. And the more you dig into Palestine, it's not long before you realize to maintain their colonial project. That's where mm -hmm. the apartheid comes in, right? Um, and I've seen it over there personally. I have family who are still uh, over there on the West Bank. Um, it's, it's always been incredibly ugly. But the challenge for Palestinians has always been like getting people to getting people to see it, to be aware of it, um, to raise people's consciousness. And mm. right now we're in a time of heightened consciousness, not just for uh, like Palestine solidarity allies um, and people of good conscience, but for Palestinians as well uh, across the diaspora in Palestine, uh, consciousness across the board is being raised. Uh, and that's what I think. So, so those numbers reflect what we, what we know and feel to be happening right now around us. And, you know, God willing, that's revolution. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was extremely evident to me when, when I was out at the one in uh, the event in November, uh, where we were able to meet up for the first time in quite some time. Uh, but there were so many like regular people that were out in the streets in support mm -hmm. of, in support of, um, of the Palestinian people, like just regular, you know, moms and aunts and kids. And just like, it was, uh, it was actually a really kind of a beautiful thing. There was a guy that like pulled me to the side and like talked to me for like 30 minutes trying to get me to convert. <laughs> it was just like, I'm cool, man. It's all <laughs> good. People, to be fair, to be fair, people have been saying like the, the Tishahood in the street, man. Like this is yeah. all, like, people, more people are Muslims than they realize after this. Uh, totally. to be honest. But, so I, I, to your point, by the way, of like the beauty of the families and, and this is really like, it is truly the beauty in this is this is truly grassroots. Like, we don't have to. Zionists have to literally pay people to come to their protests, yes. right? Uh, we, we, our people are just showing out. We're, we're driving our cars down. People in, in November, again, I, so I wasn't there for this past weekend's uh, protests, but I was there in D.C. in November. And like a lot of my family members even just drove down like it was a day. Not obviously the stakes are much higher than this, but it's like the way they would treat a family trip to the beach. So, mm -hmm. again, this is this is great for our people, too, because this is raising our people's consciousness as well. Right. Mm -hmm. This level of politicization. And just to tell a quick story, by the way, um, when so our contingency that I was with had about 300 with us and uh, and we so we had a few megaphones and stuff like that. And at one point and people start, you know how it was, Jeff, like you were out there, like people were just bleeding into each other. Right. It like different massive. groups, different contingents. It was so massive. It was it was it was honestly the one of the most beautiful actions, if not the most beautiful I've ever been to. Um, and so so there was a little there were two little girls on their dad's uh, dad, uncle, maybe. Uh, their shoulders, and uh, we got them to, you know, do a few chants with us, free, free Palestine, you know, and they were, it was, it was beautiful, man. It was yeah. really, uh, it was, it was heartwarming. You know, that's the yeah. kind of stuff when we, when we talk about like these struggles, the, the, the ongoing struggles that we're all, and presumably your listeners to some extent even are engaged in, like, these are the, th this is what it's about, is, is finding love in the revolution. Right. Um, for, for as Being much ugliness and as much anger as we all have and, and need to channel. Right. The anger can be good. But also like remembering that that's what it's about it is really just people. And so the fact that it's random aunts, uncles, random people trying to get Jeff to convert to them like this is this is we're just people at the end of the day. And Palestinians are just people, too. Um, yeah. People want to treat us like we're political props or whatever else, but we're we're just ordinary people trying to lead, uh, you know, uh, happy and, and dignified lives uh, like everyone else. Um, and the world tries to deny us of that, but we 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 continue to resist it. Yeah, for uh, for yeah. for our part in New Orleans, um, we had 
one of the large, the largest March I've seen since 2020 by far a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I was, I was doing security for it and it went for blocks, at least five blocks could have uh, at its height because we lost people towards the end, um, probably about like seven blocks long. Um, so by far the, the largest protest since 2020. And uh, in addition to that, you know, it's like, like y'all were saying, it's, it's families, full families together. And um, uh, the, 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 there really is beauty in it, um, especially in a city like New Orleans that proportionally is very Palestinian. I'm getting, I'm getting to know my neighbors better. I'm getting to know, uh, you know, I, I just had a conversation today with uh, one of the guys that works at, you know, the corner store I go to, I was wearing my keffiyeh. And he started a conversation with me and told me about how he was from Ramallah and we, and we talked. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, growing closer to people I've seen every day around this. And uh, it's been really inspiring to see the way New Orleans has united around our Palestinian community. Um, And like I said, not only are they the largest protest since 2020 that I've seen here, um, I'd say they have surpassed the 2020 protests in consistency. You know, there are multiple events every week, um, people getting mobilized and becoming accomplished organizers who had never done so before. Um, it's, it's really something to behold. Yeah. And I, I will say that like, there is something and maybe, you know, one of y'all will want to speak to this, but there's really something that, connects with um like organizers from you know organizations and groups um that 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 it is that allows something about this that allows those groups to connect with community and to bring people out and to get you know people from you know not just you know the people that would sort of identify themselves as politically active but 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 regular people and and normal people and get them to be uh, out there in the streets and saying that we've had enough. We need to stop the the slaughter and the violence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's definitely you know it definitely is like a, a politics of love. You know, even in even it sounds cheesy, but even in this like extremely dark moment, you're seeing people show up and support each other in ways that you know. Like I, I really don't think I've seen anything on this scale before. Um, it's, 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 it's something special, and it's also bleeding over into other aspects of organizing and politics in New Orleans. Like you know, the Palestinian community has become really involved, for instance, in opposing tax breaks for a Shell headquarters here in New Orleans. Uh, it's really having this uh, amazing domino effect um, in terms of you know, it, it, it's really people taking their power, um, and, and realizing their power. Uh, and, uh, it, it's, 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 it's incredible to see, especially in light of how horrible the, uh, the inciting incidents have been, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, uh, that sounds to me like a, like a bit of a virtuous cycle of, of building relationships and connecting with people. And then, you know, when you're there, um, you know, when you when you're there for people in a struggle, there's there's a relationship that is connect, that is crafted and built, and that 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 is something that doesn't go away easily. Uh, you are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. We have Jack Reno Sweeney and MJ on the show. We're talking a little bit about uh, organizing uh, in the context of the uh, on the resistance to. The, um, the violence and slaughter and genocide that's happening um, at the hands of the United States and the Israeli government uh, in Gaza. Um, and we're talking about sort of the organizing aspect of that. Um, and I, I guess when it comes to um, when it comes to objectives in this, obviously there are um, the, the, the very obvious ones of stopping, stopping the slaughter, stopping the violence, stopping the genocide that's taking place. Um, but what are, what are some of the demands that people should be, um, looking at when it comes to, um, when it comes to Gaza and Palestine, uh, generally, uh, just to sort of like bring our audience up to speed on that. Palestinians have always, thank you for asking that, by the way, um, Palestinians demands have never changed. Uh, since uh, since uh, I would say 
really trying to think if it's 100 years or 75 years right now. Definitely long since time, a very long time. Let's, let's say since 1948, since uh, the so-called state of Israel's establishment, mm -hmm. uh, Palestinians' demands have never changed. And the colonial occupation, not just what people call. So people say, and the occupation, sometimes they mean 1967, uh, the, the 1967 borders, right? They call that the military occupation and mm -hmm. all of it and all of the colonial occupation and give us our right of return. That's it. Those are the two main ones. And of course, in terms of what are our, uh, what, what are our rights, right? As long as uh, colonial occupation continues, that means uh, all forms of resistance are valid. Mm -hmm. as long as colonial occupation. So it's, it's really that simple. Um, it's just, again, it's a matter of, uh, in terms of our demands, like as, as Palestinian mm -hmm. people, it's just a matter of the level of suppression that Palestinians have experienced uh, over the years, particularly in the West, have mm -hmm. been really egregious uh, from a so-called liberal democratic society, uh, yeah. a, a very hypocritical one, obviously. Yeah. Now, um, I just wanted to kind of push on this particular point. You, you said that uh, all forms of resistance are valid. And I think that that's something that some liberals might get uh, a little bit sort of ruffled feathers about um, because they they would view the violence that is done in response to the you know colonialism that's taking place as the only violence and not the colonialism itself as as itself violence. Yeah, but that, and that's obviously incorrect. All violence in a in a situation like that, in a societal a society that's set up as uh, that society is, right, uh, mm -hmm. settler colonial society. All violence that uh, all violence that occurs precipitates from the settler mm -hmm. colonial system. Right. So and all of it is all of it is in response to a provocation through the settler colonial violence that Palestinians have experienced daily, monthly, yearly. For decades and decades and decades into a century at this point yeah and to, to to kind of push on that a little bit further like the those forms of resistance that are on the table uh and the ones that are actually utilized are very often the ones that are weaponized against the movement itself or an or anti-colonialism anti-colonialist moves themselves for example like I mean, for the most recent example, I mean, uh, there's just this n n whenever someone talks in the context of well, it's been prior to October 7th, but 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 now, especially anytime anybody talks about what Israel's doing and have killed over 30,000 civilians uh, in, in Gaza, you know, since October 7th, since their retaliation. Uh, retaliation, I use scare quotes with my fingers, um, but like that, that's counter, counter offensive. Oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. The, the language, is, I guess, is, is not so much as important to me, um, but I can understand how it is important, uh, how it could be important. Um, but my, my, my point is that 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 whenever you start to talk about what Israel is doing, you're like, do you do you condemn Hamas or do you do you, um, you got to say Hamas? <laughs> yeah, Hamas. I don't know where they got that. It's a different letter in Arabic. It's Hamas. I don't know. Ha, ha. And then they're different letters completely. Just say Hamas if you can't say that. I don't get it. But, but, but my, my point is, which my point is that, like the, I mean, whatever you feel about what those the actions that are being taken, they're not happening in an isolation. They're not happening in a vacuum. They're happening in the context of this hundred years of. Uh, colonialism and and, and as and, such and not I only mean, that and people what, what you'll get sometimes too is you'll get liberals like who will try to be more enlightened and will be like mm -hmm. well you know of course they're taking revenge and acting savagely like look at how they've been treated for oh, you know let's say they say for a century right and they'll they'll own that so they'll own what we've been through but still not grant us our full humanity in that like uh like palestinians think right about these things palestinians experience a context mm -hmm. that uh that people in the people who aren't palestinian uh especially white liberals in the west are not experiencing and so could never you know they they can't relate on it they they don't mm -hmm. understand in that way um and there is to everything that all those groups do all those groups act in ways that are strategic or, or strategically beneficial to, uh, to, to them and to advancing uh, Palestinian liberation, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea kind of being either you could, in, in a case like what, you know, can I say Hamas, by the way? I, I'm sorry if you have to edit this out or whatever. Like, can I say 
Is it okay for me to say? As long as you denounce them. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I, I, cause I never know, honestly, it's good. good. Uh, Some people treat it like they have to say almost or all these words. So, um, so, so, so with, um, so in the case of the Palestinian specifically, so Palestinian suffering occurs in segmented contexts, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, I, I have a lot of familiarity with what goes on in the West Bank, but that doesn't mean I, and I know to some extent uh, about Palestinians in, uh, in what is again, so-called Israel, right? The, mm-hmm. the 1948 lands. Uh, in Gaza, they, they live in an even more suffering context than those other places. Not that it's a competition, they're all suffering. No, of course not. And Palestinians in diaspora also, there, there's, again, these are segmented contexts. Are you in a camp? Are you in the West? What, what your miseries look like as a Palestinian vary from place to place. The people in Gaza, 17 years of a blockade, and even before then, second intifada that they were dealing with, and even before then, violent occupation, because there, there, there's been so much resistance happening there for so long, right? So, so the people in Gaza, like, are, are literally born and bred uh, in, in war, like, like they're born and bred in that kind of environment. Uh, and so, so for them, especially with the blockade worsening, right, becoming literally unlivable conditions before this, uh, this genocide started, before October 7th, they were already experiencing 95% of their water being undrinkable, being mm-hmm. bombed periodically. Every four years, you, you know, you, you mentioned, Jeff, being Shalmet boys. We know what it's like to go through hurricanes, right? Yeah. Imagine now. Imagine that that's it's not even a it's it's a it's not even a force of nature. It's it's happening due to men, right? Man-made, and this is occurring every four years on a level much worse than mm-hmm. what we what we what, what what has been seen in the New Orleans uh, areas, mm-hmm. right? And they call so, and they call it mowing right, the grass. They right. have these and they literally call terms. it exactly. They call it mowing the grass, and and you could get into more than that too because it, it goes back even further to to Hertz on the origins of Zionism itself, that this has always been uh, about ethnic cleansing, about imperialism, about being this colonial project, right? Uh, people, people without a land for a land without a people, famously said from even before the project even started, right? Just when Zionism was a seed in the idea of some European, uh, some Europeans, Christians and Jews alike, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But all of that's to say, when, when it comes to Hamas, and, and the strategy there, right? It's literally either you die slowly or you do something because people are, were getting complacent. Look at the normalization that was happening around the Middle East, right? That was the big thing with spreading normalization across the Middle East with Israel. Again, before this is, I'm saying this as somebody who like, if I sound passionate, it's because I, I've given years now of my life to this mm-hmm. cause. And and I'm a Palestinian, obviously, but I've given years of my life now. And so it really, like, I can't stress enough, it really did not start on October 7th. The no. misery was so much that a lot of people, even non-Palestinians, were giving their lives to this already, to try to stop and end the colonial occupation, end the colonial violence, let Palestinians return to their homes freely. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so with, you know, in, in the case of Hamas, you're talking about a group that sees violence as one part of the strategy, um, and in their case, they uh, they did they did their counteroffensive uh, on October seventh, uh, and that is that that was uh, that was their their path forward in terms of uh, in terms of what they saw as being necessary in terms of accelerating a response. And I, I do want listeners to think about this. We noted at the top of the show the largest, most well-sustained, even Jack even reiterated it, well-sustained anti-war movement that we've seen in a long, long, long time, decades, decades. You can't, that that has a lot to do with the resilience of the martyrs in Gaza, right? Mm -hmm. The people, the the truly like innocent, like completely innocent non-combatants who have been murdered, right? Families, full families. More journalists killed in this. Jack and I know more know. journalists killed in this conflict than any other uh, in 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 the, at least in the yeah. last one hundred years. Not by accident. No, not by accident either. Precisely. And so and so I don't want 
I don't want to downplay that aspect of it, like that the the martyrdom involved. But as well, you can't you can't now talk about this everything that's happened and just not look at the 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 strategy of violence that occurs in colonial contexts. And and I really can't note enough. Uh, this is not a, an endorsement of violence on my end, to be clear. But I can't stress enough in when you're talking about decolonization. This is this is going to be trite, but it's not a metaphor, right? This is this is real stuff. These are real stakes for people. These are real people who were dying every day. Palestinians before October seventh. Palestinians were experiencing their most deadly year since the Intifada, since the second Intifada of uh, 2005. Palestinians had experienced their most deadly year with over 200 killed by Israel. So when we say counteroffensive, we really mean this is not like I know, I know, Jeff, you were saying like the words don't matter too much, but sometimes the words. No, I know. I know. I respect it. Like just sometimes, sometimes the words do actually matter and understanding to its core what we mean by counteroffensive. Right. To its core, what it means to not condemn, right, Hamas, mm-hmm. Hamas, or any version of it, right? <laughs> um, to not condemn the, the resistance uh, and to and, and to state what is not just inter, uh, correct under international law, which is, I'll say this this way, that's the rules Westerners created. Okay. Mm-hmm. So even by Westerners' own made up created rules, as they continue to abuse indigenous peoples everywhere, right? Not only that, but morally, it's what's right. Morally, it's what's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't mean to minimize what you were saying in terms of the language part of it. I do understand that it's important as well. Just wanted to be clear. Yeah, on that. To, Jack- to touch real quick on the whole, you know, do you condemn Hamas question? I think we actually talked about a kind of similar dynamic uh, when I was first on the show to talk about the invasion of Ukraine and the, and the emerging war in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are a resident of a country like the United States, you know, like not that anyone should have to condemn anybody to have an opinion on something to, uh, uh, it, my opinion <laughs> on what Hamas does, what Russia does is irrelevant. It absolutely has no impact on, on the conflict at hand. What I do at least theoretically have an impact on is the actions of my own government. And I know what the actions of my government what my government is doing is wrong. Um, you know, just simple math. I think we're at 23, 24,000 people killed and with weapons produced in the United States, supplied, paid for by the United States, white phosphorus made in Arkansas and Pine Bluff. Uh, so when it comes down to it, and this is, I think, a very important basic tenet of uh, socialist internationalism going all the way back to World War One. Um, it is our duty to organize against the uh, the, the the evil the the, the evil the the, the uh, wrongdoing of our own uh, government of our own nation because that's what we have influence over. Um, I think it's obviously cynical when people ask you to condemn Hamas or condemn Russia or whoever they don't really care. But at the end of the day, like, and, and when you go back even further, we've referenced a little bit um, the uh, the uh, war in Vietnam. I actually remember a anecdote about how Nixon used to complain that uh, the hippies weren't protesting the North Vietnamese because they weren't uh, holding, they weren't uh, going to peace talks. Which is just, you know, when you think about that now in retrospect, that's really funny. But it's the exact same uh, illogic. You know, why, what, like, what, why would I protest Russia or Hamas or the North Vietnamese from my, my home here in uh, the United States when I know that, that my government is doing things in my name with, you know, money I pay them in taxes uh, to do bad things around the whole world? That's what I have influence over. So that's what I'm going to speak on. Yeah. And um, really quickly, you're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, Jack Rito Sweeney and uh, MJ joining us on the show. Um, I did also, and and I don't want to harp on the sort of like the violence question for too, too long here. But the um, I mean, it's, it's not like there haven't been um, nonviolent attempts to also make advances in, into sort of push push against what the um pu- push what 
against what Israel is, Israel is doing in Gaza as well. Um, in 2018, there was the march, the Great March of Return. And how was that responded to by the Israeli government? <laughs> I right. mean, violence, with violence. And that was a completely nonviolent event. So, I mean, like the idea that, the idea that, I don't know, that that any kind of push against this is like, like, like all options, you mentioned yourself earlier that all forms of resistance are legitimate. And that is another legitimate form of resistance that was also, you know, rebuked by the rebuked by the West and by Israel. A hundred percent. Palestinians regular, regularly uh, engage in boycotts, regularly engage in general strikes. Yes. Um, BDS, is <laughs> BDS, literally BDS comes out of traditional Palestinian uh, uh, resistance tactics, uh, talking about yeah. civil resistance, right? Popular resistance, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. Those kinds of tactics. Intifada started largely the first one started entirely as, uh, as, as really nonviolent save, if you want to count throwing rocks at uh, tanks, that was the level of. I'm not even joking. That's no, I know that's what you're talking about. And and so and so literally, yeah, we we've tried everything at this point. Um, and the truth is that whether you look at Algeria, whether you look at South Africa, whether you look at any of these places where, first of all, full decolonization still hasn't even occurred, right? They're still uh, pressed under the thumb of neocolonialism uh, and imperialist forces. But if you look at any of these places, the strategies are always mixed. Violence or nonviolence are both one part. They're one side of the same point. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're talking about decolonial struggles. Uh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned South Africa. Well, speaking ahead, of, speaking of uh, Algeria reminds me of um, I, I really would encourage folks to um, go back and read their uh, their Franz Fanon, particularly Wretched of the Earth. You know, it's. Uh, I read it for the first time shortly before uh, before this phase of um, of the oppression of Palestine, of Palestine, and uh, having read it just before it really it was it was it, 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 going looking back on it, it was almost like prophecy. But um, these things, you know, you have to look at them scientifically. These thi- this is how these things go. There is only there's, this is how uh, you know the, the this is how the colonized are able to uh to push back on colonialism you know if you if you preclude any other forms of resistance they will the colonized will reach for those uh those tools available to them um and uh, to to be surprised or to be asked to condemn it is i think rather naive mm-hmm and I do just want to jump in to say one last point of uh, on on the the Hamas stuff, right? That that's really the core of like I know Jeff. I went from like asking, "Can I say Hamas?" to now like half the episode has been half okay. the show has been. Uh, <laughs> but, I'll tell you, but, you can say any word you don't you can't say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. So. <laughs> so like they. Um, Oh, shit. Now I lost my train of thought. Sorry, guys. You can't say that word, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but I guess I, I did want to also, you mentioned South Africa. And um, I mean, obviously, we mentioned, and we mentioned BDS. I mean, that was another key component of the even, you know, incomplete, as you, you know, as you said, uh, decolonies. I mean, uh, um, anti-apartheid, anti-apartheid movement in South Africa as well. So it's like not only is it traditional in terms of um, Palestinian resistance, but it's also just anti-apartheid. It's like anti-apartheid yeah. 101. And I mean, it seems like a million years ago at this point, but I remember when uh, uh, anti-BDS resolutions were coming up in various state and city legislatures, BDS itself was framed as a kind of violence, as a kind of... Uh, 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 mm-hmm. you know, as even being anti-Semitic, um, which is also yes. not doing consumerism in America, it, it, not doing consumerism in America, to be fair, is kind of a <laughs> yeah, type consumerism of consumerism is the American <laughs> religion. So yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, like, like, like I say that obviously clearly in jest, but like the way the logic that is that is sort of like rolled out against that, like, or like the the idea that BDS is anti-Semitic or or anything like that is just so like it flies in the face of what is I mean, what is essentially it's essentially 
just like the do you denounce Hamas or whatever, or you're supporting Hamas by going by supporting Palestinian movement. It's it's literally just the same exact sort of propaganda that's been in place for I mean all of our lifetimes and for as long as this uh, this uh, this um, you know this apartheid state has been in place, and also. I don't know, we can get into the sort of like larger, larger imperial implications of it, but it's like one of those sorts of things where it's designed to shut down debate, shut down discussion and end any kind of um, uh, demagogue the issue, essentially. And that's even that's even the goal when when it comes down to uh, these like media pundits who like mm-hmm. continually ask, like condemn Hamas, condemn Hamas, condemn BDS, right? Uh, mm. That at the end of the day, what they're trying to get you to do either way is to condemn resistance. That's mm. what they're trying to get you to do either way. That's the uh, undertones. And, and they're not deep undertones, but that's like what lies right beneath the surface of the question. But the questions are asked in such a bad faith way that it's hard to move off of them, right? Without mm. coming across as you endorse, you know, whatever it is they're trying to smear you as uh, endorsing. Mm. Yeah. And it's actually like, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not Jewish, like by, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not Jewish, but like the idea that like the connecting, like this is something, the connecting of the state of Israel and like the idea that that is the entirety of Jewish people is, I mean, that does, that doesn't sit right with me. There's a ton of anti-Zionist Jews out there, many of them that are leading the resistance to a lot of what's going on. There's a lot of great anti-Zionist Jewish comrades out there. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly when it comes to like the question of uh, of anti-Semitism, it's actually an incredibly pessimistic uh, political philosophy. Zionism is um, mm-hmm. because what it's saying is that, and and Joe Biden actually forget where it was, but he said somewhere recently um, that like Jews will never be safe anywhere except for Israel. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you like what? Like, do you, you do you know how many Jewish people you have in the United States? Are you in- how many are in New York City? More, <laughs> yeah, just in New York there are City, more yeah, are Jews you- living in the United States sure. than in Israel. <laughs> if I if I if my mm-hmm. numbers are correct. Well, well, so, so I don't know the exact numbers, but like the idea that a president would say that is incredibly offensive and itself anti-Semitic. And so like with everything else, there is a saying that we have in the movement, right? Every Zionist uh, claim is actually projection, right? Uh, It's a confession. Every every Zionist smear is a confession on their end of kind of what their philosophy espouses, what their movement espouses and does. Right. So they say that, you know, Palestinians use human shields. Well, meanwhile, the IDF headquarters is literally in the middle of a mall uh, in Israel. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the kinds of things we're talking about with them. I just want to correct myself. I was wrong. Seven point two million Jewish Israelis and six point three million Jewish Americans. But, um, you know, that said that you got to wonder well, Joe, Joe Biden's telling them that right. You got to wonder what Joe the Biden implication. <laughs> you you got to wonder what the implication of his. It took a long is. time. It took a long time and a lot of a lot of Palestinian murdering to to get to, to right, those numbers right. uh, in in Palestine. And um, I read something extremely fascinating recently. I hope this isn't too much of a of a divergence. But um, during the Obama administration, uh, Netanyahu announced a major wave. Of uh, of new settlement, um, while Biden was on a visit to Israel, and both Obama and actually, believe it or not, Hillary Clinton condemned in like really strong terms the settlements. Which you know, you take take that for what it's worth. They condemned it and said that there would be unprecedented retaliation. Joe Biden, while in Israel, told Netanyahu, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'll handle it when I get home." This isn't going to be a big deal at all. So Biden himself is remarkably Zionist, even among the milieu of, uh, of uh, you know, Zionist Democrats in, in the United States. Uh, he's he's like uh, uh, catastrophically Zionist. You know, he's, he's committed to the project as much as as much as anyone. Well, he's the guy that said that if Israel did not exist, we would have to invent and he repe- it. He said, exactly. he said that and in the same, 70s. Same Sorry, he said that in the 70s and then he repeated catastrophically it. Zionist. Catastrophically <laughs> Zionist is, is a great way to frame it because – 
the question is, okay, so do, do Obama and Hillary Clinton have, uh, have they developed, you know, a smidge of, of consciousness in their, of conscience in their hearts somewhere and they just a little bit, it's growing. <laughs> like right, the Grinch. Slowly but surely like the Grinch. <laughs> like, a, yeah, like slowly but surely this like a Christmas miracle. So it's no, an anti-Zionist miracle. No, not at all. Uh, they, they, are, they are more strategic in terms of how they, they know the only way to maintain Zionism can be, you have to do it by the model that the, the rest of the, uh, the neoliberal world has done and is continuing to do right now, the neo-colonial world, right? We don't really, why do you think in this country, decolonization is treated like a metaphor here, right? Mm -hmm. Like people really don't take land back uh, as seriously as they need to. Right. And it brings about questions about tactics there of, of what might that look like in the future as the contradictions continue to be heightened that we see the fall of the American empire, which is happening as we speak. And so the ways you maintain, though, these colonial systems is necessarily through a liberal veneer. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do what Israel is doing right now uh, and, and, and maintain your project. There is, there's two, the, the contradictions are too heightened. They're too heightened uh, right now. And so it so to that point, like, you know, Joe Biden, I, I think that's a perfect way to phrase it, that he's th these people like the right wing Zionists are catastrophically Zionist to their own movement, which is fine. But also at the same time, it, it's there's a lot of death and misery and destruction that comes with that. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of a, it's it's a double edged sword for sure. Mm -hmm. Where with liberal mm -hmm. Zionists, it's uh, they're, they're playing a longer game. Um, yeah. And that's that's where it comes back to liberal Zionists, whether it's like Obama, Clinton or even like, uh, you know, Jamal Bowman, AOC sort of squad members who who also know how to sort of uh, they're savvy enough to know how to toe these lines. Right. So they'll be for a ceasefire. But when it comes to sanctioning Israel or even, uh, you know, not voting for Iron Dome and, and things like that. No way. Not going to do that. That's that's too far. And also, uh, I don't think they even view it. I don't know if they even view it as ethically necessary, which is a whole other right. Issue. There was um there is the vote today um that Sanders brought, and there's a there's a lot to be said about Sanders's disappointing um positioning uh, since October seventh. But he brought the vote on um whether or not to just evaluate uh uh whether or not Israel was con is committing genocide um to the floor of the Senate. And it got eleven votes um in favor of that. Well, the way it was set up, it was 11 votes against, but we're just, we're just not, we're just not, we're just not, not going to check to see if we're doing a genocide. Let's just not even. Right. Check. Also, it's, it's, it's such an absurd, what an absurd world we live in, right? Where people claim like uh, the West claims this like level of superiority and rationality, Absolutely. like specifically in its rat in, in like rationality, like as a philosophy, mm -hmm. right? They claim this superiority in it, but like, what, what are you doing? Like, like, passing a bill, trying to pass a bill that you know is going to fail, right, on evaluating if this is genocide. Just call for a ceasefire. Right. How did ceasefire get this politicized? What an absurd, like, society. Yeah. Like, what an absolutely absurd, failing society we live in. I think you're right um, and make an important point, MJ, to frame this as, uh, as part of the, the death throes of American empire. Um, I think after seeing what we're seeing, seeing the way the, uh, the, uh, Israeli offensive is not going well for, uh, them or for their funders. Um, I think demonstrates without a shadow of a doubt that this, uh, American empire thing with our, with our sidekicks in Europe, that it's, it's not going to last too much longer. Um, it is an absolute tragedy and, and uh, I think an eternal shame on everyone involved, every decision maker involved, that it's taking tens of thousands of dead Palestinians uh, for us to realize that, to realize that um, the empire is dying and that we should be retreating from the world stage in that way. Um, but it is demonstrably true that, you know, the United States cannot project its power the way it, it did even a few decades ago. Um, you know, think, contextualizing this within the context of, you know, the United States' actions in Afghanistan and in Iraq, I think is important as well. You know, those, neither of those went well at all. And this, this 
essentially proxy war is going even even more poorly. Um, so yeah, the U.S. can't even keep up the kayfabe. Right, they can't even keep exactly. up the kayfabe. They can't even keep up the the idea that like oh the U.S. is in charge here. And I mean, like, obviously, like the Biden administration agrees with everything that the um, that the um, Israeli government is doing. Uh, but like when he does his little like, no, 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 I'm wagging my yeah, finger at you. Point. Like the optics of that, the kayfabe of that, of like Israel just being like F off is just like, like. You can't even keep the like the, the the supposed line of power here in order. Like that is actually kind of shocking to me. Yeah, um, you know the 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 thing that irritates me more than anything, uh, you know, when it comes to like rhetoric from the Biden administration, um, is when you see those leaks from the administration that uh, you know Biden's really upset with Netanyahu and he hasn't spoken to him in weeks. <laughs> and he's saying that the time's running out and uh but also simultaneously in more public forums um very, very and, bad. in more public forums also saying uh that you know that pretending that the US has no influence on Israel's decision making here which is just so demonstrably false yeah. uh, the the anecdote about Ronald Reagan making a call to the prime minister of uh of Israel during uh their war on Lebanon and uh, saying cut it out is, you know, uh, better evidence than anything. And also, you know, goes to show really how, again, to reuse the phrase catastrophically Zionist, uh, Biden is even in comparison to, you know, boogeymen of our past, like Reagan, uh, this it's, it is kayfabe. It's, it's all BS. Um, and it, you know, the United States could put a stop to it immediately and is actively choosing not to, and is thereby, extremely complicit in genocide as complicit as the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, just the fact that this is allowed to continue at the, even at the great tremendous, like domestic political expense of the Biden administration itself. Like since the, um, since the, um, October 7th, Joe Biden's personal like approval rating has tanked. He's now polling at like 33%. And like, like the expect, and there's no I sort of like. Poll, I saw a poll somewhere just to quickly interject a poll uh -huh. somewhere where among Arab Americans, he's polling at like 19, That's which is wild. insane. Like in terms That's, of favorability. He was talking about yeah. making a visit to Michigan and, 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 uh, and apparently no one's even taking his calls. Uh, he can't find anyone willing to in the Arab American community willing to meet with him in Michigan, uh, which you know Michigan could decide the next. They'll election. run him out of town on a rail. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. It and, makes and, you wonder. It makes you wonder not to interject, Jeff, but it makes me wonder at least if they know the end is near, even um, of like the days of the U.S. being like able to do absolutely whatever it wants. A lot of these people are going to die, and like tomorrow or 10 mm -hmm. years tops 20 years tops right like mm -hmm. 20 is probably too much even for the ones right like people like joe biden and stuff so unless they have the really it, good adrenochrome is it just like are, is it looting at this point like wait what did you say jeff unless they have like the really good adrenochrome <laughs> yeah they, they like like you know taking the children's blood just, and just yeah, injecting yeah. it to I mean, themselves not, well now you're just becoming a QAnon show now so. <laughs> That's where that's where inevitably this goes. Uh, the, the left conspiracy pipeline. Um, so like it. So like, but but yeah, no. Like it, it makes you wonder. Like if they even know at this point, and just like because it, you know, it, it's not none of it's sustainable. And mm. and to me at this point, um, even like I've reached a point where even talking about like, you know, Jack, like you brought up, like it sounds almost like a a drama show or show or soap opera of like. His related their relationship not so great like like are we talking about like kardashians here like this is it, it, it's a very like i don't know it has a very like meta modern feel to it all of this yeah. and like the the place it's driven me personally is just to uh i i am not what uh you know anti-electoral in like the sense that people might try to paint somebody like me i believe that voting is one of our many political powers that we have 
Uh, it's unfortunately the one that gets the most overstated, the one that yeah. people are most pointed towards because, you know, there's a lot of other powers you have also uh, in terms of being able to even just your body uh, in some ways is, is more powerful or at least as powerful as your vote. Right. And that's what the, the protests, uh, the mass uh, mobilizations in Washington have shown is even just your body. Right. Like that's done. You know, anybody who voted for Joe Biden, whoops, that that was even worse, honestly, for sure. That had a net negative in the end, I would say, um, voting for him um, because of what he's doing, how he's the, the way he's so complicit in this genocide. Right. But nobody has regrets about going to these rallies, going to these protests, kind of something to think about, you know, uh, in terms of and this is just like these are not that like I you know, am just having these political realizations. I'm just getting more and more driven um, away from even being at all interested in talking about like what Biden does or thinks. I think Biden is, uh, again, to be cliched, but like a puppet um, in all of this, you know, uh, Biden has a lot of friends. Uh, who are making a lot of money. This is great for business. Keeping keeping Palestine and Israel uh, or Palestine and, and the Zionist entity, uh, Palestinians and against Zionists, like keeping that hot, keeping a colonial conflict hot like that, that's great for business, uh, the business of, of war, right? That's great for business. The more people get in, that's great for business. Hell, if we have nuclear destruction, that's that's fine for business too. And these are things that that I hope genuinely, I, I'm obviously awake to it because of my positionality in, in the society, right? So I'm awake to these things and, and I know wh how, where I'm committing the rest of my life to. But I hope, um, you know, even, even people who are supposedly more positionally safe, white Americans, uh, you know, I, I hope that eventually like this has to be recognized right like the 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 material conditions of what we're living in and where things are going uh people need to recognize it because it's just going to get uglier uh and we're not even talking about the not even looming climate crisis anymore like it's it's pure you know that's just that's just a cherry on top um just to kind of like move it forward we have about five minutes left um i did want to maybe even um kind of talk about this in the concept of left organizations, um, the way that they have sort of um, engaged with this, with, with this uh, issue since October 7th, and also like the issue of Palestine solidarity as a potential way to unite left organizations and unite or, or potentially if, if not unite them, then identify which ones are worthy of engaging with and which ones are worthy of just kind of like moving along from. Uh, Jack, you want to take that, or you want me to go first? I can I can start. Um, you know, I'll I'll speak to the local context here in New Orleans. Um, I've never seen you know uh, events actions with more sign-ons than this. Um, you know, we were real proud back, and uh, I guess it was February twenty-one for about the uh, the coalition anti-war action uh, during the uh, just before the uh, the uh, invasion of Ukraine. Which was four socialist organizations. Um, the, uh, that the, what, what we're seeing now. We talked about it on this right, show. Right. What we're seeing now uh, really blows that out of the water, and the sophistication of that coalition work. Um, I think people are working together quite well here in New Orleans, um, and uh, and uh, the connections between socialist organizations and um, and you know and Palestinian organizations, Muslim organizations, student organizations have uh, grown stronger. Uh, over the months, and um, you know, I think it's I think it uh, ha I think it speaks to the sophistication of where the um, of where the left is is at compared to 2020, which I think the left really um, missed the boat on the George Floyd uprisings to a certain extent. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and I think part of that is that it's far more difficult. Um, for certain liberal elements to co-opt uh, this this moment than it was uh, in 2020. I think that's a small element. Um, but all that is to say, uh, I've been you know very impressed with what I've seen locally in terms of coalition work and um, and the ability of organizers to to work together um, and to do so in such a way that uh, they're they're actually 
connected to active community organizations that don't come from that explicitly left-wing or socialist background. Mm-hmm. MJ? Yeah, I think so. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I'm, I'm very optimistic about definitely how things have gone and uh, as well as where things are going. I do think this is more uh, this this moment <clears throat> for many reasons. Uh, some I can get into, some I really would prefer not to. Um, is harder to co-opt. Um, I I I want to put first and foremost the organization of Palestinians um, during this moment uh, as one of the the main reasons why this moment, specifically Palestinians in the grassroots, um, why this moment is is difficult for uh, the forces who would be interested in co-opting this to co-opt it. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see where that goes over time, right, as things progress. Um, But yeah, overall, I think, um, I I also think an important distinction to be made is always in like, I I think of it as there there is like a, a white American left, like throughout history, right? And then there's a black left, there's an indigenous left. and it's the white left that always tends to be the most isolated for itself. Um, I think I think that right now in this moment in time, something key to keep in mind, I'll, I'll try to end, I want to end on a positive note here, right? So something to keep in mind is in terms of things you can control, right? Like a lot of organizations right now are with Palestinians because it's in their interest to be with mm-hmm. Palestinians, right? Um Maybe they still don't see anti-Zionism, like, you know, something I've dealt with a lot organizing in like socialist spaces on the issue of Palestine is like that. Well, why are you focused so much on this singular issue? I think people are finally starting to see. I mean, it took them seeing us, you know, putting hundreds of thousands in the street, but the pieces were always there for it. And, and not only that, but the mobilization was always happening around it. The level of mobilization, you just had to kind of look and be open to it. Um, but theoretically, Palestinian intersects on racism, colonial, anti-racism, anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism. Uh, Palestine is about climate justice. Palestine is about queer liberation. Um, specifically talking about on that front, by the way, what they do in terms of uh, blackmailing gay Palestinians uh, overseas into being uh, spies and traitors and shaming them. Mm-hmm. Um, for their sexuality, um, beyond beyond just what how they treat everybody across the board, right? That nobody there is free. Palestine intersects on so many uh, issues that we've touched on today, and so my hope is that the the left and specifically the white left, right, will will catch on fully and continue to catch on that there are the the things that Palestinians ask for, the end to the colonial occupation, the our right of return. Right. These are these are going to be things that will be difficult to achieve, to struggle towards. But we can struggle towards those together. Um, And and if you do. Right. If you do choose to do that, I think that's the way that, you know, talking about uh, the collapse of Israel. Right. And the collapse of Zionism, I don't think is that much more far fetched than talking about the collapse of, of capitalism or of imperialism more, uh, you know, broadly, right? I don't think it's more far-fetched than those. So once you accept that to take down one, you have to take down all of them. To take down one system, you have to take down all of these systems. That's my hope is that people won't just, you know, treat this the way a lot of people also treated Black Lives Matter, which was within a year retreating on defunding the police, right? It's not, that's not good optics, things, these kinds of silly uh, phrases where it's like you're you're activists, you know, who cares? If it's pulling at 20, 30%, that's great for you. Push more for it, right? So these are the kinds of things, not being opportunists uh, in every single moment, sticking by your principles um, and, you know, making making a revolution your primary uh, objective as a leftist, uh, regardless of your racial background. All right. Well, I think that's a really great place to leave it. Uh, where can we get more information about uh, what you fellas are doing? MJ, you want to go first? Yeah, so um, my group, like I said, we recently split from the uh, Democratic Socialists of America. We're doing our own independent thing. You can follow us uh, on Instagram or Twitter at uh, PS, I think it's PSWG, Palestine, Palestine SWG. That's it. Sorry, we're, it's new. <laughs> so at Palestine SWG, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we'll also be having applications out to our group soon. 
Um, yeah. And Jack. And uh, for my part, you can keep up with me at uh, at JRS four number four LA, and uh, I'm a member of New Orleans DSA. That's the main place I organize, but I'm also doing stuff around New Orleans with a litany of organizations. So I hope to see locals out on the streets. And and I want to build on that just really quickly by saying also follow NOLA for Palestine on Instagram. Uh, if you are in New Orleans or are going to be around, follow NOLA for Palestine to uh, keep up with the actions uh, and also to see the great, amazing work our comrades in New Orleans are doing Absolutely. around Palestine. Absolutely. Love that. All right. Well, thanks, fellas. Uh, really great talking to you. Uh, you were listening to Good Morning Comrade on WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. We love you. Bye-bye.